0: Hey there, friends. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to invite you to our next Collaboration Zone Zoom Party. This is a free Zoom chat get-together with all of my entrepreneur friends in the Rise and Recovery Network, where we can share mind and business growth tips, strategies, and you get to network with other entrepreneurs of all experience levels. So if you want to level up your business and get connected, book your spot today. Head on over to www. The road forward slash collaboration zone when we recover we are returning to a normal state of health mind or strength we begin the process of regaining control over something that was lost Welcome to the Road Beyond Recovery podcast and my name is Tamar, your host. Have you ever felt like you were meant for more? Well, I help people discover their purpose so they can follow their passion and realize what they are truly capable of. My mission is to empower people in recovery to embrace their authentic selves, live up to their true potential and answer the question, what lies beyond recovery for you? Welcome to another episode of the Road Beyond Recovery podcast. Thanks for joining me today. You know, I just get really pumped up and motivated each and every time I get to chat with a new guest that is not afraid to come on the show and share their story, share the adversity or addiction that they've been through, and then also share how they discovered their purpose as a result of that experience you know, because it's kind of where I am. I'm at the, you know, that beginning part of my entrepreneur journey. And now it's become really clear why our experience can be that key to our success, right? When we become other people centered, and we have a a purpose that is greater than ourselves. It's absolutely amazing what we can do. And today's guest is no different Today I'm speaking with Jesse Harless. He shares his incredible story and we also talk about the fact that a lot of people in recovery are overachievers, you know, and I'm sure that many of you can relate to that, right? We're perfectionists. We always want to do everything and we want it right now. And so, you know, when you take that, you know, energy that you used, uh, whatever habit you had, whatever experience that you've been through, you know, and you take that resilience and you turn it into something, you know, powerful and outward facing. It's amazing what you can achieve. And, you know, Jesse has done exactly that. We talk about both of his books. His first book is called Smash Your Comfort Zone with Cold Showers. I have read it. It's truly amazing. I've also tried the cold shower therapy and it really does work Um, if it's something that you can keep up with it's super super incredible I definitely highly recommend you read that book and then his latest book which I have also read which is absolutely fantastic called if not you then who and Jesse is really passionate about working with entrepreneurs in recovery because he's on a mission and we share that in the interview you know and we talk about resilience and so much more so i hope you enjoy this episode welcome back everybody i am hanging out with jesse harless today how are you doing jesse
1: i'm great so i'm so great to be i'm so grateful to to be here and finally get to meet it's awesome
0: Yeah. And I'm super excited too. We actually had a great conversation just prior to this. So I've asked Jesse to make sure he puts that in his mental notes because we have to talk about it again. But for those listeners who don't know who you are, uh, why don't you just kind of introduce yourself? Let us know what you do today.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm an author. So I wrote a new book called If Not You, Then Who? And that's really, you know, I I wrote the first book. I didn't call myself an author. I don't know why. Maybe that was like imposter syndrome. But this this most recent book I put a lot of work into this book so uh, ten years in the making really so I, I I could call myself an author I'm also a facilitator and that sounds really general but I do facilitate conversations so that all voices are honored and psychological safety is also honored so uh, facilitator and uh, you know coach speaker but really really uh, just excited to be here with you
0: and very passionate about recovery and I just love what you do so. I always kind of like to ask the question what it was like growing up because for myself personally, we all have different stories. I actually had a very good upbringing, right? I, you know, it's, it's very, um, a lot of people think that in order to, you know, get addicted to drugs or alcohol, you have to be, you know, gone through a bunch of trauma and it's not true for all of us. So, you know, what was life like growing up for you?
1: Yeah. So, um, life for me was, You know i at four i always start really here because you know i could start like in my mother's womb with trauma but i would start with um you know it's four years old my dad he was an alcoholic he was in the army during vietnam and basically he got addicted to what was going on over there and so um when he came back he tried to stay sober and met my mother and he was going to meetings Um, he had a sponsor named charlie and then he relapsed back into cocaine and alcohol and lost a job at the post office and my mom kicked him out and he ended up, um, driving back to West Virginia, where his family was, and he was in an accident and the accident was, um, really severe. And he ended up uh, in a coma for 22 days and permanent brain damage. So he, um, I lost my dad at four, in other words. So basically he was alive, but he, he wasn't in my life anymore. So, uh, essentially that was the first core, I would say trauma that happened where, I developed a belief about myself that if you loved me, you were gonna abandon me eventually. And it it, that still today even is present because it still affects my intimate relationships with how I feel about that. So I, um, so that was the original cool wound. And then from there, you know, um, that kind of just spelt out how my self-esteem is gonna be. And at 11, my best friend moved away across town, but it was like he moved to a different country. And when that happened again, that's when I shut down. That's when I went from like this in nature all the time, you know. I was like this. I I wanted to be a herpetologist. Actually, I had I had iguanas. I had uh, caught turtles, snakes. I had them all in my house. I, I was going to be a herpetologist. I studied the books and and when that happened, um, it just something was torn inside, and so I ended up getting addicted to internet gaming. And it was right. I mean, this is early day. This is like 1990 seven, so uh, high-speed internet just was coming around. And when the high-speed internet came, I got addicted to um, internet games on the computer and also internet pornography. And so this ended up being, this literally dictated my relationships from, from that age until 20. Um, so I you know, didn't really, I experimented with drugs, but it really, they came into play big time when I got to college. And um, do you want me to talk about that or?
0: Absolutely, okay. absolutely.
1: Yes. So, um, high school, I could just sum up high school with, um, isolation, depression, anxiety. It started out like I tried to fit in like my freshman year. Like I went to some parties, like I thought it, I, I thought, thought people thought I was cool. And I'm like, okay, I think I'm okay. And then I got bullied sophomore year at lacrosse was devastated, quit all sports. And then eventually stopped showing up to home room, was late, like 60 something times. And then They had an intervention my senior year, and um, the intervention was not even, no drugs at all. This was just depression and anxiety. And essentially they let me graduate and I applied to three colleges, got accepted to all three. I grew up in Lowell, Massachusetts. I decided to go to a school in Plymouth, New Hampshire, which is very different than Lowell, Massachusetts, and got up to this very small school, took uh, 17 credits, had a class called Think Intelligently. I was was doing right from the get-go. And that first semester, I got arrested by a state trooper and charged. I got in trouble in a dorm, had to take alcohol classes. I failed all my classes and I got caught for plagiarism. So I hit all the jackpots you could probably hit. I, you know, Failing all your classes is a big deal too. And with out-of-state intuition, it was a lot of money, $19,000 I was throwing down the drain that first semester. But they let me back a second semester because my mom wrote a letter that said it was, that I wrote the letter and they they bought the lie basically and let me back a second semester with a 0. 0.6 gpa and i had every intention to turn it around every intention i lived next to the library i said i'm going to turn it around and i actually got two b's but i failed the rest of my classes because i couldn't stop drinking and smoking weed and doing the things that i was doing When other people going to classes i would sleep in i was so wrecked and so i failed out of school and a year later my dad died and even though he wasn't in my life that night he died, I picked up cocaine for the first time. That was his drug of choice. And so when I did that that first time, I felt love for the first time. I felt something in my brain connect for the first time, something that I didn't feel before. And maybe I did feel it. Maybe when I was 10 and I was in nature and I was just running in nature, maybe I felt it then, but I hadn't felt it in a long time. It was 10 years. So when that happened, I said, There's something in my body that said, I'm going to chase this thing every day. That feeling I'm going to chase. And, you know, to really spare you a lot of details of stuff for the next couple of years, I chased it and it led to me ordering prescription opioids online and and I was successful doing it and it went on for many months and then I got caught. So whoever's thinking about ordering prescription opioids just because you can they will find you eventually because they track that through the post office so or ups store however you're going to do it because i tried to tried both and so it didn't work i got arrested it was very serious and they let me go so that's the ironic thing they let me go which is you know i didn't tell anyone i didn't get a lawyer i didn't tell my parent i didn't tell, I didn't tell my mom I didn't tell anyone and that's how we do it right as act as people <laughs> in active addiction we do anything to provide to protect the addiction anything yeah and so didn't tell anyone moved to florida did the geographical cure got addicted i relapsed into cocaine in florida and on so many opioids i did things in florida that i still say today like i i i can't even describe so i ended up coming back from florida after like an overdose experience and an in, kind of an intervention from my boss calling my brother back home came home two weeks i was arrested federal felonies they built a report against me while I was in Florida cause they didn't want to take me down with what they had. They wanted to build a bigger discovery report before they came after me. So they built a huge 125 page discovery to come after me. They actually went to Florida to get me. And I was already back by the grace of God. Like literally my intuition said, it wasn't even into, it was like divine intervention. I just came back before they were down there. I would have been doing time in Florida and time in New Hampshire, but for the grace of God, I came back and was arrested two weeks later and, um, that's when recovery began forcefully.
0: <laughs> and I think it happens that way for a lot of us. And, you know, I've read your book and I've read the whole story, and just hearing you say it out loud is just, it's so impactful. And, you know, we'll put the link to the book um, in the show notes. But, you know, you mentioned a few things that really resonated with me, and that's, you know, cross addictions. I think it's so easy for us to go from one thing to another. You know, I've done it pretty much all my life, and today I still, I have a challenge with food, right? Because for me, it's like sugar. Oh, as soon as I consume it, I see the exact same behaviors that if I use drugs, alcohol, pills, anything that I'd use, I have the same type of behaviors. And the other thing that really resonated is the good intentions, right? I think a lot of people look at those that are stuck in addiction and it's like they want to be there right and it's like we have the best intentions in the world it's just as soon as we take that drink or we use that drug we can't control it anymore
1: exactly yeah it's well said i mean that's just yeah it's well said i mean i ha- i had every intention to turn my life around at 18 i had every intention to turn my life around at 21 and you know, uh, I moved to Florida to turn my life around. I had a plan. I, I laid out the plan with my roommate. I said, this is my plan. It's what I'm gonna do. And as soon as I was ingesting chemicals and doing this stuff in my body, it was just, there was no more plan. It was just like, it control. it was just obliteration. And so, um, you know, I had to get the uh, the handcuffs basically to have me to wake up. And fortunately I didn't go to prison, which, which I'm very grateful for because I don't think that would have helped me. Um, you know, many people do go to prison. I've had friends go to prison, and it turned their life around. But I don't know if it would help me. And the judge was very intuitive and didn't send me there. So, super grateful to that judge.
0: Yes, for sure. And now you're doing what you do today. So, when you got clean and sober, what did that first um, period look like in recovery? Because I know for me, I you know, first when I came in, I'm looking at everybody, and because, you know, my my bottom was a little higher i would always compare other people and i i may have not gotten help because i thought well i'm a functioning alcoholic right i mean i still i have a marriage i have the house i have the car and i very easily may have not asked for help because i'm looking at myself going well i wasn't homeless you know i i always had food even if it was you know craft dinner or noodle soup um, but what was early recovery like for you
1: so the judge uh, the court system had a recovery plan for me. Um, and basically that, that plan was, it wasn't to send me to rehab. So I detox once again, uh, cold turkey. But I did that multiple times. So um, the, the plan was to work full time, was to meet my pre, pre-child probation, probation officer, get urine analysis to make sure I'm not messing around meet my, my therapist, drug and alcohol counselor, Bonnie Halsey, and then meet with uh, the pastor, which was my mentor. So the other part that happened a month and a half in was Alcoholics Anonymous and going to meetings. And so um, that became the prescription from the, from the court system because that's how they do it. They have to you get your paper signed. So that happened for over three years, actually. But that was the actual beginning was to get the paper signed. I went to different types of 12-step meetings, got my paper signed. And you know, th- so the start was already from the beginning was holistic in many ways. So I'm very blessed that you know, I got to start with Bonnie, share my trauma, share this just dump on her and just her, her hold. She impacted me so deeply. I can't even begin to tell you. I mean, she's the reason I went back to school to mental health counseling to get a degree because this woman held incredible space for me and knew how to, to, to work with trauma. And so uh, working with Bonnie, every week working with, uh, pastor Bob, who is my first mentor, uh, journaling pastor Bob told me to journal every day. I started journaling every single day. Um, I started to use affirmations. Um, I kind of intuited to use affirmations. No one told me that, but I just, my, I had panic disorder and panic disorder is, is very severe. Uh, especially when you're in early recovery, you, you, you almost just want to give up. Um, so panic disorder. So I thought affirmations would help my panic disorder. So I would say affirmations. And then of course I, got into the program and I had a, a temporary sponsor and then I took jobs. And so I had this well round and I had a full-time job. So I really was blessed because my employer, despite me being arrested, literally got on the phone with me. I was, by the way, and I have to say this, I was the best, I was his best salesman ever. So he, he obviously, when I got on the phone with him and he, he literally said this to me, he goes, he's like, hey, I just got a call from uh, Mark. This is in the book, but not this story. I got a call from Mark. He said that there was officers looking for you at his store and I just want to know, are you okay? So that's how he framed it. And I said, and I was just in court and I was like, am I okay? Uh, yeah, Steve, I'm okay. That did happen, but I'm okay. He goes, that's all I need to know. Never ask me another question. Never ask me anything. I worked for him for another nine years. Never said, never asked me anything. So, and of course, like I was a successful salesman for him and, and I became a manager and, So i'm really grateful there's so much gratitude i have for these people who just were like yeah man we trust you go ahead and it's like wow you know what if they said no what if the judge said throw him away for seven years have him spend his 20s in prison to show him a lesson and we don't want people bringing these prescription opioids into our state not understanding that i was addicted not understanding addiction not understanding my past and the trauma and why i chose to do what i did instead I had the opposite happen. And I'm very grateful. I'm grateful every day for that 15 years later.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I love what you said about being the best salesperson, because I think I see it with so many people is we're like, you know, these A-type personalities. We're overachievers. If we put our mind to something, you know, imagine what we can do. And I always tell people, you know, especially in recovery that are struggling or they think that they can achieve something. I'm like, you know, think about back to the days that you were using. If someone said, no, you can't have that case of beer. I said, what would you have done to get that case of beer or that bottle of vodka or that drug of choice? We would have done anything that it took. And so we have this potential within all of us that if we took that and we put that into something good, which I believe, and you do the same thing as well, is focusing on the gifts of recovery, focusing on how more people can get clean and sober, focusing on how they can actually excel. You know, what are your thoughts around that and kind of the industry as a whole right now?
1: Uh, well, when you've been in recovery for 15, almost 16 years, you see a lot of things. I have a lot of friends. I have friends who own treatment centers. I have friends who run treatment centers. I have friends who own sober living homes. I learned from them they tell me about the lack of integrity they tell me about what's going on in that industry so and i learn about politics and how it works with different states and politics and all these different things and it's very discouraging so you know basically if not you then who right it's it's us it's a grassroots movement and we need entrepreneurs to open up holistic treatment centers that have integrity yes please but the industry is often dictated by larger entities that pay for insurance based on diagnosis, based on prescription. So it's tough. It's tough. So, uh, so basically I think that really taking a hard look and regulating the industry with integrity and having a council to really look at that is the next wave that I hope is coming because I know sober living residences are starting to get that. There is some regulation slowly coming in with that, but uh, I think as an old, there's an overhauling needed there. And, uh, you know, I'm just taking this from my friends that are the entrepreneurs, and from my experiences with people who have come through these many times. Some of my friends have been through the treatment 19 times, nine, nine you know, three psych wards, and and so they know a lot. They've they've informed me a lot. I facilitate at these places. Like I get hired as a uh, as, and that's a whole separate discussion. I've had many people in recovery ask me, "How did you get into these places to even run workshops?" So that's a whole nother discussion. But I've been able to go into places and be a consultant and literally. Sh- tell people about how to live their best life at two weeks sober with dual diagnosis and even having bipolar and people go well why would you teach that to someone at two weeks and four weeks into their recovery process treatments and i said why wouldn't you teach them that at two weeks and four weeks you might have one shot with this person they may not latch on to traditional recovery models so we need to be offering them hey purpose is important what is your why hey maybe there's something in this entrepreneurship route that you don't have to take but might be like living a self-directed life and being creative with my talents that I use for the, maybe the bad at times, but also you can use it for the good. So I look at it like we need more of that into this industry to, to show people like, Hey, it's not just AA. It's not just NA. It's not just HA. It's not, there's so much, these are catalysts. These are tools, but if we don't have more voices coming to speak and saying, here's what's out there where are they going to get this information? It's not on television. It's not on YouTube. It's not on Instagram. Now, Instagram influencers and in recovery are becoming more, but still it's confusing. Where do you go? Where is recovery for people that don't have the traditional 12 steps? Where do they go if they're like, you know what? That doesn't call to me. Where do I go? And that's the question. And the one gift of COVID is that we have – different places like in the rooms.com and different places to give people more choices and people my friend Kyle runs um Quantum Healing Collective which is started in Massachusetts and this is a very diverse group of people that have all different modalities of healing from addiction and you know I I love what he's doing and I'd love to see more of this stuff and uh so yeah that was kind of a long answer but it's there's a lot to unpack on that
0: yeah and that's a great answer so You know, we talked a bit before we started the interview about purpose and how important it is, because I know that ever since I realized and and you said it in the beginning, you know, now you consider yourself an author. I've written two books now, too. And when I first wrote my first book, I'm like, I'm not an author, you know, that imposter syndrome. But after the second one, I was like, I am an author. I can call myself an author. How did you find your calling and your purpose?
1: Well. What happened was I was working at, I was at Verizon for a while. So like Verizon, I had that job before I found recovery. And then when I got, when I, when the arrest happened, I got the job back. So I was at Verizon a long time. And what happened was in 2015, fentanyl came and just started crushing this state and crushing America and the world in many ways, but definitely New Hampshire was getting hit really hard with fentanyl overdose deaths. And so it was like, what is going on? So I'm sitting here at my job, living my dream life. I won the highest award in the company. I land my dream job in 2016, literally double my, I got, I'm making all the money I could make. All this stuff is happening for me. But on the outside of the job, I'm speaking, I'm getting text messages from people dying of overdose. And I'm like, what the hell? So I'd be at my job and I would feel a hole in the soul. I'd feel like this is not where I'm supposed to be because I leave work and I'm like, well, I just had a great day and had all these sales. And then I'd look at my my buddy, you know, would say, oh, you know, Dave just OD'd and died. And I'd be like, God, like, I can't take this anymore. So what I ended up did is just started going inside and sitting with the work. And I had, I had hired a coach in 2015. So I hired a coach in 2015 who was helping me to, excel at my job and then eventually i was like christy i'm gonna jump ship i'm gonna do this thing on my own and i'm gonna join a mastermind i'm gonna do this and she was like do it and so i just really went into you know i'm a big i love i love mindfulness i love like taking time in the morning like 20 minutes 30 minutes to myself even if it's five minutes just to myself and sit with my heart focus breathing and just like feeling into my body like what is next for me what do i want to be doing and and so the answer was to leave the job that I just got, to leave the dream job. I don't even six months in the dream job. And I'm like, oh my God, it's to leave the job. And in March of 2017, I said, all right, I wrote it down. It's right up on my fridge right now. It says right there, it says, leave my job, be my own boss by August 30th, 2017. It's right up there on my fridge as a reminder. I wrote it down on a goal card because everyone's, you know, people like law of attraction, da da da. It's like, that stuff really is real. I don't care who you are. It's like, that stuff is real. Like you can debate it all you want. It's real. I wrote it on this gold card. I put, you know, that was in March and I looked at it every day and I set, I set intentions every day as I was working this job. And I, of course I had the biggest month of my life at the job, which is God testing me to see, oh, you really want to live your purpose? Here's all this money. And I got the money poured on me to see if I was serious. And I said, yep, I'm serious, even with that money. And so I jumped shipped August of 2017 to start Entrepreneurs in Recovery. Didn't even know that was. I didn't even know what that was, except my mission was to impact 5,000 men and women who were struggling with mental health and addiction recovery. That was the mission. It was to elevate their lives, people who are stuck, lost, and lack direction to gain clarity in order to live a life of purpose. That was the mission. I didn't know how I was gonna do it. I think I was gonna coach. But in October of 2017, I trained in a facilitation approach that showed me I could scale this. That showed me that I could not just do one on one, I could work with 50, 400, any amount. And, and so that's where I went. In 2018, the struggle was real. I got to pause because I'll go I'll keep going. so so I'll just pause there and let you ask. Your
0: <laughs> I'm like, I want to keep hearing about it because I actually, it's in uh, March of this year is when I finally quit my corporate job. And I remember I was talking because I have been doing the coaching for about a year and I'd written the two books in between there. And I was sitting with a a friend of mine who was also a coach and she's like, "Tomorrow, when are you going to leave this day, this day job? Like, get rid of this gig. Could you imagine what you could do in that 40 to 50 hours? And I said, well, you know, because, you know, I I screwed up my life a couple of times really bad financially. So there was always that fear of you know, what if, like you say, the money thing, I was making good money. I was doing really well. I'd got my life together and I was good at what I did, but it didn't make my heartbeat. You know, I would wake up at three thirty four to do my side gig, which was coaching and podcasting. But then as soon as, you know, seven, seven thirty 30 hit, I was like deflated again. And then I was reinvigorated at 4 PM. And she actually said, you know, um, she said, Tamar, when you decided to quit drinking, did you keep a bottle of vodka in the cupboard just in case you wanted to go back? And because I'd always thought that safety net, right. I'll take a leave of absence. And I said, no. And so actually the, the next day, which was my birthday, I wrote my letter of resignation and I'm just like, no universe. Like I love what you say about, you know, the, um, you know, attracting the law of attraction. Cause it is so true. And as soon as I made that choice, everything opened up and there's been absolutely no fear. I'm like, I know my needs are always going to be met as long as I follow my purpose. So I have to ask before we get into your current book, um, I read your first first book. That's how I, I got to know you in the first place, but you know, smash your comfort zone with cold showers. Now I've done the cold shower thing and it's not easy, but it definitely works. What inspired you to write that book?
1: yeah it's not easy in Canada that's for sure (laughs) cold showers um so what inspired me was so I had a few friends that were really close to me and these are people who I call people on my recovery team and this person in particular Nick came into my house in December uh winter time in New Hampshire and said hey you need to start taking cold showers do a 30-day challenge and I'm like Where is this coming from? No, I'm not doing that. But what he was really saying is, I know you still struggle with anxiety at nine years in recovery. I know you do. He didn't say this, but he was basically saying this, that I've done some research and intuitively, this is what the message I need to leave for you, which, and he wasn't even doing it himself. He just saying, this is for you. And I said, okay. And my roommate at the time took the cold shower and I said, I'll do it too. And I took a cold shower as well. And then what ended up happening is two hours later, I went to a meeting. And I always felt this, it was a co-ed meeting, and I always felt this underlying anxiety at this meeting and it was gone. And I said, the only thing I did differently was a shower, a cold shower, straight cold. So I said, let me do the 30 days. And I was at the busiest types of time of my life. Like these were getting really busy days with school, working full time, all this stuff happening. So I started to take these cold showers. And by the end of the challenge, my anxiety that I had had and I had carried with me, arguably since my friend left at 11, I didn't have it. Now, anxiety doesn't go away. It's actually very useful. Anxiety is a great gift for people, but severe anxiety is not. So that's what it was happening. And so I decided that I would just keep taking them every day, straight cold. And to make a long story short, I ended up quitting caffeine, which was impossible for me to do as someone in recovery, which it's so accepted. So accepted. I said, nope, I, was, I bought a case of Red Bull. I kept it in my trunk every, for seven years, there was a case of Red Bull. You can I could have the receipts for this one. There's cases of Red Bull in my car. I'm drinking two a day, two other caffeinated beverages a day for seven years. And I, and I had to take a hard look that was this contributing to my anxiety? And the answer was yes, because I had a panic attack after I drank a sugar-free Red Bull. And I said, that's it, I'm done. And I started to wean off the caffeine using the cold showers as the main catalyst, because I was already doing meditation. So it was the cold showers that was the main catalyst. Today, by the way, cold showers are a meditation. That might sound strange, but we could talk about that, but cold showers. And then here's what happened. A couple of years into my journey, I went to a mastermind and this woman who was in real estate, she said, Hey, who are you? And I wasn't, I was still at Verizon. So I'm like, well, I work at Verizon. She's, and I go, and I take cold showers every day. And she's like, what? And then she asked me why, and I told her the anxiety story, she said, can you write a book, please? And I said, okay. And I wrote a book in three months, and you know what I did? I just kept it on the desktop, didn't look at it for a year. I was too scared to do anything. The whole thing was written. And it took me a whole year and about three months to come back to it when I saw her again. And she said, hey, whatever happened to that book you're writing, it hit me right in the heart. And I felt this sickness in my stomach. And I said, I'm either gonna delete the book off the off the desktop or I'm gonna write it. And in three months, I wrote Smasher Comfort Zone with Cold Showers. I And like I said, I'm not an author. I never wrote, I wasn't a blogger. I didn't write blogs. I, I was not an author, but I said, I'm doing this. I got out of my comfort zone. I wrote the book and released it. And the rest is history. So that's how the book came out is, what ended up happening too, by the way, I missed this. I had a lot of people coming to me saying to me these cold showers are helping me they're helping my sobriety they're helping my recovery they're helping my marriage they're helping my daughter they're helping like and then when they would tell me specifically why i was helping i said man like i gotta do more research on this i wasn't even doing the research i was just taking them and eventually when i was gonna write the book i was so scared to write a book and release it about cold showers because it's like against big pharma it's against (laughs) it's free it's this thing that's free and you know I've had critics, tons of critics on this book, but it doesn't matter. It's, it's my experience. It's all these people, hundreds and hundreds of people have told me this is helping my life. And you have people like Wim Hof and Tony Robbins and Tim and Tim Ferriss who all do this cold therapy. So there's something to it. And today I'm proud to say that I did write that book because I was really scared to write that book and release it. But that book gave me the confidence to self-publish my second book. And so that first book gave me the confidence. So I'm, I'm grateful I did that.
0: Yeah, and it's a great book you mentioned meditation like can you because i mean i've done it i think the longest i went was 35 days once but how do you how do you make that a meditation because i know a lot of listeners would probably be interested in that
1: so cold showers in the beginning were hard you know they were hard and i did it anyways because I was like this resilience and grit but eventually like today it's I used to have to listen to certain music, like all this stuff. I can literally go into a cold shower, listening to a sh- podcast, a YouTube video, because it's 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 it becomes a it becomes a meditative practice. It's a habit I stack. So I do cold showers in between other habits. So it's a, a habit stack. So but when I get so like getting into the shower before I get in there, I'm already really practicing deep heart focused breath so i'm already getting into the state of like really deep breathing i used to write uh, gratitude right before i wrote uh, jumped in the shower for about four years and this little green journal in my bathroom i literally just put him in a drawer and i'd write three things i'm grateful for i'd say an affirmation do the breathing and jump in i don't even do that anymore now i literally like do breathe in deep i turn on the podcast wherever i'm listening to i get in there and i just like uh, i just breathe into very deeply this water that I'm so grateful for. And I I just stay in an intention of gratitude and I stay in the present moment especially if it's very cold. I I stay in the very moment that I'm in. I don't get to two hours ahead. I don't think about my past. I stay in the present. And that's what I mean by meditation. It puts me in the present moment, like nothing else. And it's free and I can do it instantly. And it's like, so there's something about the practice that I think people miss because they're thinking it's just torture. And I think when you start to learn how to breathe, when you're starting to learn breath practices, And you bring that into your shower and you embrace the present moment and you take and you and you wash your body and you're you're in that moment it it really shows you that like what i do in the shower carries out throughout my whole life you know what i do in the shower carries out and and, you know they say your best ideas come in the shower well guess what they can and if you're taking a cold shower you're so in the present moment guess what happens you get these present moment epiphanies that come in that can that have really helped me and that's my experience i don't expect anyone to take straight cold showers but i do expect you to take your normal shower and end your shower cold for 15 seconds so that you can start to wake yourself up because some people are really stuck right now and all they need is something to help the the habit of numbing out to be snapped and and that can happen with something like a cold shower
0: and it is invigorating. I mean, I feel fantastic after I get out of a cold shower. So I love the present moment. And I love the word you used resilient, right? Because if you can do that, and you can just sit through that, I mean, I, you know, I'd go for about two minutes, I think that's what I made it to. That's but amazing. I did when I got out, I felt that resilience. And it, it, it makes you it toughens you up, but in a more spiritual way is how I felt when I experienced that.
1: Yeah, because we don't need more masculine energy in the world. That's like the last thing we need. And obviously, cold showers is a very masculine practice. But if you're incorporating deep breathing and then you come out of the shower and you're feeling that heart connection, you're feeling really great in your body and mind, then you can use that as, oh, now I'm going to live my passion. Now I'm going to live my purpose. Now I'm going to feel my feelings. Now I'm going to do the work. And that becomes the feminine part too. So I think that's the balance. And and so in 2017, well, 2050, when I started that, I needed that masculine driven, like get over this. And, and today I don't need that, but I still take them because I feel great. So today I rely on feeling my feelings and mindfulness practices and somatic healing, like things like that, that are more of the, let's say feminine energy, but it's because you have to balance the two. And if you're there out of balance, you're going to find problems in your life with relationships and with yourself.
0: Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm right now I'm learning about, you know, mindfulness and emotional intelligence. And I find it so fascinating because it's helping me in this stage of my recovery, right? It's making me a better person. It's making me think about my emotions, because that was something I stuffed down for so, so long. So let's get into your new book, If Not You, Then Who? Um, It's a fantastic book. Can you talk about kind of what inspired you and, and what the purpose of the book is for?
1: Yeah. So this book is, um, I, I truly believe every person has something inside of them that they need to express. And that could be, a it could be a rap album. It could be a painting. It could be a book. And for me, it was a book. I've always liked, like words. And I just like, I, I, don't, I can't say I like writing. So that wasn't true, but I just, I just like words. I love, I love books. I love reading other authors and how powerful their writing can be. And so about, 10 years ago, you know, I spoke at some different meetings and people would come up to me and be like, man, I wish you'd like write a book or something. Like, I'd love to hear this whole story of being arrested. Like I want to hear the whole thing. Cause of course I never would share the whole thing. I didn't have enough time. So what ended up happening was in 2018, I ended up taking a course, which was to pitch your book to a publisher. And if you win, they'll publish your book. So I was like, Oh, I always wanted to write my story. So let me do that. And so it was a six month course. And I wrote like the skeleton of the book, like the outline, I'm like, okay, here's 10 chapters. It's going to be, oh, it's going to be fears. Yes. It's going to be a fears is going to be the acronym. Like that just downloaded, like it's going to be fears and I'm going to build it around fears. It's going to be focus, elevate, appreciate, resilience, self-care. And at the time it wasn't those, like I had something a little different, but eventually I decided that's going to be fears. So this is in 2018. I was supposed to write this book. And then, of course, I didn't win the publishing deal. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to do it. And then I met a guy named Dr. Danny Friedland, who's actually the guy who wrote the first papers on evidence based medicine. And he wrote a book called uh, Living Well from Within. And so this guy came into my life because I was a facilitator and we did the same training together. And I helped him. And he, and he said, Let's get on a call together. We got on a call in December of 2019. And he said, Hey, what's up with you? What do you want to do with your life? I'm like, I really want to write a book, and he's like, you need to talk to my friend, and and her and his friend was someone that um, had like a company that helps people publish books, and I already published the book, so I plan on self-publishing this one. But but I talked to this friend, and I said I want to write this book, but I just need accountability. I can't afford to hire you for your services. I just need accountability. I just need you to check with me every two weeks to make sure I'm writing. And she was like, okay, cool. And then COVID hit. So I had this call with her and then COVID hit. And I realized like, I have no excuse. I'm gonna take the next 10 months and do it. And I paid this person who is amazing, Amanda. She kept me accountable. She would, I would send her the, the, the writing that I got done between the two weeks, she would check my writing. And that's what happened. I wrote this book, the whole thing in 10 months. Like I had the skeleton, but the words weren't there. And I wrote this book and, you know, some of it just came channeling in. I'm telling you, it just was pouring in. It was waiting to be told. And now it's it's out. So.
0: Wow. Yeah. And it, it's, I, I mean, I don't know if you experienced this, but when I, ro- I wrote out my story, it was incredibly therapeutic. You know, I have an amazing yeah. therapist. She's also in recovery. So, you know, it was all the stuff that I had been stuffing down for so long that I actually opened up and talked about and became vulnerable about, that is actually what's been making the most impact because then I've had people going, wow, like, I can't believe you've been through that. And maybe I can get help too, right? And that's, I mean, I called my book Hope Elevated for a reason because I want people to read it and go, well, if she can do it, I can do it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I can't begin to tell you that I had like a dark night of the soul experience in 2020. And it was partly because I was writing my story out. I was writing the trauma. I was writing all the details, reliving it, ask interviewing my mom. My mom went through domestic violence with her first husband. It was really atrocious. So I had to just hear all this stuff and it was really just hurting so bad. And the state of the world and just everything that was happening. It was like it was just writing was the only thing that helped me. It was like I'm just gonna write because this feels good. And so when and then this year I just recorded the audiobook uh, this weekend. So like, so doing that, oh my God, it was 18 hours. And I literally, the first part of it was the story. I literally felt like I needed to take a shower. Like I needed to get a therapy session. Like I was so raw reading my story and i had read my story a bunch of times out loud before i published but reading your story in a microphone you have to keep saying the whole you have to take a deep breath and say a sentence when you do an audiobook and then take it a video able do a sentence it was so raw it like i was so exhausted that first night but you're right it was therapeutic because the next day i felt incredible and i was so driven we went three hours straight without a break the next day and knocked now we went 10 hours total but we went three hours straight without a break to knock it out and um Yeah, because I was so supercharged that, you know, it is is, writing and journaling is very, very therapeutic.
0: Absolutely. So, you know, last question to end it off. What would you say the key to having an amazing recovery has been for you?
1: Wow. I mean, (laughs) there's so, I would say to each his own right we all have a key that is going to unlock our version of recovery that's going to help us connect to our authentic self and maybe connect to your divine guidance everyone's going to have a different key but I would say for me one of the biggest things that I really see now looking back is a sense of purpose it's a sense of purpose it's to say like if not me then who like it is me like if not you then who it it is me like i'm the one i'm so passionate it's me i'm gonna do this like no one's coming to save us i'm gonna be the one that helps and it's not out of ego it's out of a conversation with my divine guidance to say like no i am gonna write my book i'm gonna stop playing scared i'm gonna do this thing because you know a lot of us live halfway we don't go the whole way we live halfway And that's what I think happens when we start to realize like I have a purpose and your purpose can simply be my, my purpose is to focus on my health and wellness, right? My purpose is to go ahead and write one blog a month, whatever it is. Maybe your purpose is just to be in recovery, which is the answer I get a lot. But once you say that answer, you realize like, oh, it's bigger than that. So, so yeah, I think purpose is important.
0: Yeah. And that's exactly what I'm passionate about as well. So Jesse, if people want to learn more about you and get a hold of you, how can they reach you?
1: I would say, honestly, the best way right now is I'm finally getting to Instagram. So Jesse Harless, two, 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 at Jesse Harless, two, two two two. Just send me a DM. That's the best way.
0: Awesome. I really appreciate you being on the show. It was great to finally chat. I love what you're doing and we'll make sure we get all the info in the show notes so people can buy the books.
1: Thank you so much, Tamara. This is, this is a, my pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: Well, it was so great to connect with Jesse. I just absolutely love his story I love what he does for other people especially you know working with other entrepreneurs in recovery which is near and dear to my heart and you know make sure you go pick up his books they are both phenomenal especially the cold shower thing if you haven't tried it yet I highly recommend it I I did it once for 30 days straight, and I've actually just started to get back into it. But it really does make a difference. And you know what? It it gets you wide awake in the morning. So that's also a bonus. So if you're not a morning person, and you know what, even if you are, get the book, uh, read them. Uh, both of them. Anyways, guys, you know, if you haven't yet, make sure you sign up for our next collaboration zone Zoom party. These are calls with entrepreneurs in recovery. They share their experience. Uh, we're going to do 90 seconds speed connection rounds, So you'll get a chance to really highlight what you do, who you serve and how the rest of the group can assist you in scaling your business or just you know, taking it to that next level. And of course, we have hot seat sessions and special guest members doing the training on these calls. So make sure you sign up. You can head on over to the website, go to www.theroadforward.ca slash collaboration zone. And I hope to see you there. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Road Beyond Recovery. Did you know that our dreams can become a reality? When you determine your purpose in life and you allow that purpose to guide you, anything is possible, it just takes action. Don't wait until you're ready. Start to create the life you were truly meant to live right now. I am super passionate about my mission to help people live up to their true potential. So if you wanna learn more, check out my website at www.theroadforward.ca. And until next week, keep exploring what lies beyond recovery for you.